The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Hello, everybody. Welcome. You might be listening live here on 1150 AM KKNW in the Seattle area or on Transformation Talk Radio around the world or on Facebook Live on Christine Upchurch's professional page, as though I have to talk about myself in the third person, but on my professional page on Facebook um, or on Transformation Talk Radio's page on Facebook. You might be listening after the fact on christineupchurch.com or one of the dozens of podcasts this ends up in. But wherever and whenever, we're so grateful to have you here today. And I think you're going to be grateful too, because we're going to be talking about why and how we need to rethink life. But before I introduce our wonderful guest today, I'd like to say hello to the people behind technology, um, Olivia at TTR. Good morning, Olivia. Top of the morning to you, Christine. <laughs> Thank you. And to you, Mr. Benny Mathers, the, 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 the person who was in the studio and it's kind of like ghost of, of Halloween's past or almost <laughs> Halloween's past. I remember being in there dressed up. Are you in a costume today? So uh, not entirely. I'm working on it. have been this morning. Of course, things are just a little different here around the studios. Yes. We're not doing a... Uh, ver- uh, uh, in studio, I guess, um, Halloween party. We're going to be doing more of an online version. So uh, ah. I didn't really get all crazy dressed up because, I mean, I'd have to just wear it for pretty much nobody because there's not very many people here. And, you know, we get a kick yeah. out of doing that. And so I did cut my hair. So that has yeah. that's part of it because I've been letting it grow out for the last month. Oh, and okay. so well, you have to take a picture because your yes. costumes, year after year, you'd always win the, the contest there at, at – um, Hubbard Radio. So I, I appreciate uh, you bringing that up. I actually have won yes. three years in a row. <laughs> yeah, so, so I miss I miss the Halloween party there, and yeah. I miss getting your costume. But you have to take pictures. Yes, I will most definitely. In fact, I've got some secret uh, squirrel routine or uh, yes maneuvering. I will be posting of my uh, outfit slash character Ooh. I will be. So, Ooh. not going to say anything else. That, yep. That's a hint about the haircut, I think. Well, it's not <laughs> a squirrel's haircut, I'll tell you that, though. <laughs> Although, that's not bad for next year. I might have to do that one. <laughs> yeah, well, um, and I will repost it on on uh, my page as well when you when you post that. So, Perfect. our listeners, yeah, or go to Benny Mather's page. Yes. Our guest today is Monica Berg, Monica Berg and she's going to be talking about rethinking life. Boy, oh boy, with COVID and political upheaval, we are having to rethink life in a variety of ways, whether we want to or not. And the question is, are there ways to do it that consciously move us forward in positive ways, as opposed to being just like kind of victims of circumstance? Monica Berg is an international speaker. She's a spiritual thought leader and chief communications officer at the Kabbalah Center. She's the author of Fear Is Not An Option, which is right here. And also Rethink Love. She's also the host of the Spiritually Hungry podcast. 
a self-proclaimed change junkie, and we're going to hear more about that. Monica is a fresh voice that channels her many years of Kabbalistic study along with personal life experiences, and she's had some interesting experiences at that. Monica shows individuals how to create a life that not only feels like it's working, but more importantly, a life in which they are living and loving as the powerful, fulfilled person they've always wanted to be. I'd like to welcome our guest today, author, speaker, and uh, thought leader, Monica Berg. Hi, Monica. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be with you. You know, as we were saying, as you were talking to me before the break, you said, you know, this book here, Fear is Not an Option, that's from a few years ago. And because of what's going on right now, there's been a resurgence in interest in this topic. We're going to need to talk a lot about fear. And I know you do that in this book. But first, before we get into how it relates to our current time, tell us a little bit about your journey, about how you were sort of forced by life circumstances to take a look at your own fear. You know, it's interesting because I think that people, when they think about fear, they think it's just part of life's experiences. And most certainly it is. We all have fear. What I came to realize, and that was really the impetus for writing this book, is that as you go through life, unless you challenge your fears and actually work on eradicating them, you carry them along with you and you just add more on and to the point where it really limits you from living your best life and for reaching your potential and fulfilling your dreams. And for me, that's not really a way to live. I'm not very patient about things. I used to think that being impatient was kind of a character flaw, but actually I think it could really work for you. And I've made it work for me and that I'm not patient to just settle or to deal with things that are uncomfortable and painful. I think they can all be transformed into something else. And fear is a great example and opportunity to do just that. So I think we come into the world and we're not really fear-based, right? We learn to walk, we fall down, we get up again. We want to learn to bike, we get a, a bruised knee, the same thing. And, and we don't suddenly have a fear now because we have a skinned knee or a bruised ego. We get up sure. and we do it again. And then as we go through life, you know, we fear rejection. It hurts, it stings. We want to be part of a group. We want to belong. You know, we want to be... Um, acknowledged and those things can get in the way of really being authentically true to who we are right so sure. i started to look at fear and i realized that with fear the one fear that we all have that's universal is actually fear of the unknown and i hadn't realized that until i really looked at each fear that i had so the first fear that was life-changing for me was when my uncle became schizophrenic which seemingly to me at seven years old happened overnight so i thought it was contagious so that was my first big fear Tell us a little bit about that experience, because I, I it, it's such a powerful scene in your book um, when you can think about being you know, such a young child getting exposed to something like that. So it was a, a party of sorts you were at, right? Yeah, we were at, I mean, we had just moved from Thibodeau, from actually New Orleans. We were living in um, Louisiana for eight years, and I had such a beautiful, happy, safe feeling childhood. And then when we moved to California. A lot of, we're from the Middle East, a lot of Middle Easterners were emigrating. So there was like the stigma. And suddenly I felt like, and my father was very wealthy and he lost all of his wealth. So all of these things that I knew myself to be suddenly in, in what seemed to be a heartbeat switch. So I already felt very insecure and not safe. And then we started to spend a lot of time with my mom's family who lived there, a big, huge family. Oh. And so when we would visit, my uncle had always been healthy. I mean, he was, he was young and um, handsome and strong. And this one Sunday afternoon, you know, he walked in and he was erratic and he was screaming and he 
ended up um, exposing himself and, and I, I was just terrified. And, you know, nobody explained anything to me. I mean, I think they were all dealing with their own emotions. And even if my mom had explained it, you know, pre-genetic disposition would have gone through my head and I would have been afraid of that anyway, right? Because we are family after all. But I really believe that it was contagious to the point where well into my adult life, if I ran past, because I'm a, I'm a runner, if I ran past a homeless person who clearly had mental um, issues, I would hold my breath, you know, for fear mm-hmm. of catching it. Uh. So, um, so that was the first big one. And then I had anorexia when I was 17 and um, I was terrified of myself, to be honest, you know, because look what I was doing to myself after all. I was starving myself to death mm-hmm. and that was terrifying. And, uh, and I felt a real need for control and, you know, we can go more into that too. And then later, a few years later, I had my second child and uh, he was born with Down syndrome and I found out a few years after his birth. And by the way, for anybody joining us today, I am very happy. I love my life. I wouldn't change a thing that happened to me. I've uh-huh. changed and transformed every single experience challenge to an opportunity for greatness and for blessings. And I honestly, like I, I wouldn't change a thing. And that's what really inspires me to speak to people about these things because I don't believe being a victim of your circumstances. I don't believe in suffering. And I think everything mm-hmm. is there because there's a great opportunity for you to tap into something better for yourself. But right. at that time, I was just consumed by fear. I mean, really, I, I, in the days after he was born, I was anxious, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat. But again, what I came through with my whole journey of fear is that we all fear the unknown. If you look at those three situations that I just explained, uh-huh. at the end of the day, what was I afraid of, right? I was afraid of the future, right? Would I become like my uncle? I was afraid right. of my um, of myself. Would I starve myself to death? And would I be unlovable for the rest of my life as I viewed myself mm-hmm. at the time? And with right. my son, I really worried that I would have a life that was mediocre and that this would just define who I was from how I saw it in those first months. Sure. And, and in your book, you talk about all the negative things the doctors say that you are likely going to experience or your son's likely going to experience, which will affect your quality of life. Um, and I know that's probably a, a lot to handle just knowing that he had Down syndrome, but having these expectations put in your mind um, did that color and add to your fear? Completely. I know I was really young. Um, so I had my first child, uh, David, when I was 20, I got pregnant when I was 24. I had him at 25. I had Josh at 27 and it was just a fluke. It's not something that, you know, it just was an extra chromosome. Mm-hmm. And, um, these doctors, you know, I ended up, it really changed. I mean, that's why I'm a change junkie. I, again, everything that happens, I'm like, okay, well, why did it happen? I approach it from a place and a perspective of curiosity, not from shame, blame, guilt. In fact, I don't ever use those words anymore. They don't mm-hmm. exist in my life. Never live by that. I don't even right. feel that emotion anymore. I mean, I had to work hard to get there, but that's where I finally arrived. But at that time, um, the doctors, yeah, they not only the pediatrician, but he got his whole group, like it was six doctors in the room, took my husband and I, and they just felt like we weren't hearing them, right? Because we just had no reaction. We're like, okay, this is, this this is, we know what he has, but we need to process it and we need to choose how we want to react and how we want to approach this, right? We needed that space, but instead they wanted us to 
they didn't think we understood them. So they, they listed mm-hmm. off all the things he would never be, he would never do, that he'd probably never eat solid food. Basically that you should just give up on your son now. And um, I was really, it was the first time I was really able to stand up for myself, really. I got up and I said, you know what? We heard what you said, but we actually don't find a lot of merit in it and we're going to leave now. And we walked out and they were shocked. Um, uh-huh. And the truth is, in raising Josh, I raised him like all of my other children. I never treated him differently. We still wow. don't. The kids never heard the word Down syndrome in our house until they they noticed that things were very different. Um, uh-huh. But when they noticed things when they were younger, I would say like, well, Josh, you know, is better at basketball than you are and you're better at reading. Everybody is different, right? Because I don't want stigma on anybody. Yeah, yeah. And um, you, you share a picture, but I don't know whether it's on your website or in your book, but he's, he's a, a beautiful young man. Very fit, even though he has low muscle tone. He's a, he's a bodybuilder. I mean, he's got muscles. We just went against everything that they said. And by the way, in that moment, when I got over the shock of it, and I decided to take really charge of 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 my beliefs and challenge them, I decided in that moment, you know, most people when they have a child, you know, your child's perfect, right? They're healthy, perfect. they're beautiful, and then later in life. As they get older, you start to see some of their flaws or some of the issues that they might have, right? Uh-huh. And, and, and by the way, you know, having been a mom of two kids, I see like the first time around, I thought, okay, well, the good qualities are because of the way we parent, and the bad qualities, you know, are because of the way we parent. And then you get it, you get more than one child, and it's like, oh, they come in here with challenges. They come in here with personality. Um, so yes, they're they're not perfect in, in a certain sense, but in another sense, it's a perfect journey. Well, it's a, actually a perfect beginning, I guess we could say, right? And um, and, you, and even the things that I think do come up later in life with your children, you don't really worry about them. You don't really think about them. You just stumble across them when they get to that milestone for the most part. Uh-huh. But with Josh, I experienced it the other way around. I was given a list of things that he might never be. So what I decided to do in that moment was challenge that, right? So I decided to embrace the idea of change, change of, you know, learning who he could be and all of his gifts and talents and discover him. And also subsequently who I would become as a person, as a mother, as a wife, as a friend, as a mentor. And I don't even think I would have written books or become a teacher if I had not had him as my son. I can honestly say that. So I came up with this credo that um, in change, there's great power. And that really became a testament to how I lived my life from that moment on. It really started my journey. And although I had been studying spirituality and Kabbalah since I was 17, it was the, and, and you learn things, right? You learn things according to where you're at. Sometimes when we learn something that's really profound or spiritual, we need certain rules put in place so we feel protected and safe. Like as long as I do X, Y, and Z, as long as I'm a good person, as long as I share, then I know I'm nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. Well, when I had Josh, I'll, at first I did think it was a bad thing. And then I challenged that and I saw it as a gift, but I realized that I had learned things incorrectly because I needed to at the time. Right. So I relearned so, everything. So tell me what, I, again, uh, this is really important because I think there are a lot of people out there who are on their spiritual paths that they think that somehow they can bypass the challenges of life by being so-called spiritual. Or safe, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, and that's all an illusion. I like talking about illusions a lot because the things that we're so sure of are honestly usually not things that are based in reality. It's things that yes. make us feel comfortable. Right. And I know I, it's I, I'm human- writing a book called the top 20 myths about spirituality because ah. there's so many things we assume to be true 
But if you look at them closely or you sort of shift the angle, it's like, wait a minute, having this belief limits our experience. A thousand percent. And, and yeah. that's why, you know, my book is Rethink Love. My blog is Rethink Life. I want, and all of my series, they're all Rethink series because I want people to challenge their thoughts and their beliefs. How did you arrive at this place? A lot of things were impressed upon us and we never take the time to stop and actually challenge that and say, where did this, is this my original thought or is this something that I collected over time? Yeah. Um, so what was your original question though? <laughs> oh gosh, um, it, I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, we got sidetracked, but um, yeah. But yeah, and I do, I actually have an exercise in Rethink Love about creating your credo because it's not what you don't believe, right? People through life, they're like, well, I know I'll never do that again, or I know I don't believe in that, but it's so important to actually take the time to know what you believe. It's based on a knowing, on experience and understanding of things that you've gone through. And so every single opportunity, yeah, that's what you asked me about your listeners today. If you're going through a challenge, if you're going through a difficult time, you know, oh, yeah. first, if you have a belief system that isn't kind, right? And a lot of people do. That's why the first eight chapters are devoted to being, becoming who you are. It's called right. me. It's the me section where people usually look external for things that they crave, like love, unconditional love, support. But you, you can never find that externally, as you know. It's only internal. So I really invite people to go within and say, okay, if you have that kind voice and you learn to love yourself, then when difficult things happen to you or things that you don't want, then you don't see it as a punishment or you don't see it as something that you deserved or you're just not lucky and other people are lucky, but you're unlucky and all these false or, thoughts because those false or you, thoughts. Or, or you manifested it. Like you did something that shifted your vibration and you managed to manifest it. It was a mistake in, in, somehow in your vibration. Right. By your doing right. And, yeah. and you need to learn a lesson. Well, yeah, sure. You can learn a lot of things, but that to, to really learn something and to change from it, there will not be a hint of a punishment insight and it won't be unkind. It's going to feel like a warm embrace and you're able to lean into it and say, okay, again, this is not really what I wanted. It's not comfortable, but here I am. So what's the opportunity that's waiting for me? Yeah. And that, that O word opportunity is, is huge because if we look at challenges in, in those terms, then we see them as gifts along the way for our, our expansion. So why do you call yourself a change junkie? You know, how is it that you went from wanting to control things to um, wanting to create change and embrace change? Exactly. Cause they're so they're opposite extremes, right? They are. Yeah. And especially if you know anything about eating disorders, especially anorexia, it's that need for control so much so that you control every single thing you eat or don't eat, right? It's on that level. Um, and I am type A, I'm a Virgo. So like, I, you know, I like structure. I like order. I like a daily planner. And I think you should have goals. I think all of that's really positive. But what I came to realize through, again, why are things so difficult? Why are the things that are happening to me? Why am I perceiving them as being so difficult? And, and so, and that you need this kind of like, hardship to actually then have pleasure, right? It was like that suffering mentality it has to be really difficult. You have to work really hard to earn it or it's not, it's not for you, right? It's, it's unearned. Yeah. So what I realized is, first of all, that is no way to live. And that made me an incredibly unhappy person. And right. so I first decided that I don't want to do that anymore because everything starts with a choice. And I think that people should have these conversations with themselves 
that, you know, it, is this behavior, this thought, this action working for me? And if not, how do I challenge it? Mm-hmm. And then the second part of that was, okay, I know, what I know for sure is this, that most things we think are true are not, that the things that we take really seriously are not that important. And that where am I really putting my time and energy? Is it worrying about what's going to happen or not going to happen? Or is it, is it more in the world of being creative, being a co-creator, being a manifester of your life, right? So then I started to say, okay, the more that I am flexible, actually, the more that I am open to, you know, having certainty and that everything that happens to me is for the greatest of my good, mm-hmm. then the more able I am to embrace change. And then it became something like, so I just started with that and I'm going and breaking it down for your listeners because I want everybody to be able to get there. It started with that kind of process. And so then when things would happen, like I'd miss my flight or, you know, whatever else I had planned for that day went wrong, I started to say, okay, it's not what you wanted. It's not comfortable. It's meant to be. I'm certain of that. Even though I don't have the whole picture, I know it's for my greatest good. And Uh then when I would do that, I would actually see that the outcome was always great. It always worked out and it was better and I was happier and I wasn't stressed, right? So for example, if we missed our flight, which we did, my husband and I were invited to my friend's 40th birthday a few years ago. It was like a destination birthday. And we were all booked on this one flight to Mexico. And we literally got there to the front of the line. The person in front of us got on the flight. And then at us, they're like, nope, you're not going to make this flight. So, you know, you could look at it many ways. I'm going to get to the party late. Um, It would be fun to be on a flight with everybody. We never went there in our minds. We were like, awesome. We can have a date in the airport because my husband and I work crazy hours. We've got 40 kids, 40 kids, four kids. And sometimes it feels like 40. <laughs> exactly. And airports, you know, are great these days. There's a massage place. You can have a cocktail. There's a place to sit and read. So we just made the most of it. And the funny thing is their flight was like terrifying. Apparently there's horrible turbulence. They were really uncomfortable and ours was smooth as anything. And we only got in an hour and a half later. So and, and for what? Like, what's the point of going through life with not wanting anything to change? The more you hold on to things, the more you want them to be exactly as they are. The thing that happens is you miss out on all of the other opportunities that would be right in front of you that you just can't see. Right. I mean, if we're talking about luck, luck versus unlucky, the only difference is that the lucky person is the one who is open to seeing what's right in front of them. They're looking yeah. for connection. They're looking for opportunity. They're not beating themselves up. Unlucky has a different belief system that nothing works out for me. There's never any opportunity. So you're going to see what you're putting out there. So change junkie is really now to run after change. You know Mm -hmm. that change is the only law of life. You're either growing forward or backwards. It's up to you to decide which direction and which ways you grow. So how empowering is that, right? And change, there's great power. And it really changed my entire experience of life. Uh And and one of the things that... um... I know to be true about change is that the only way to really ride the wave to positive change is to be embracing the current moment. Yes. It, it's a matter of, I, I think there, there's quantum physics behind it. it essentially, um, so many of us, like the current particle form of reality that we are, you know, we resist it energetically, emotionally, our thoughts. It's like, not this, not this. So I want that instead, not this, not this. But we need to be aligned with it in the here and now, which means embracing what is on some level, whether we're just, you know, letting go and surrendering to the moment or actually embracing like, okay, cool, let's have a date in the airport, you know, whatever. Um, And that allows us to sort of ride the the wave 
to positive change. But so many people have a hard time with embracing the moment. But I ask you, what's the alternative, right? I mean, if you want to be upset about things, you're going to find something to be upset about all the time, every minute of every day. For me, that just seems like a waste of time and a waste of a life. Again, the impatient thing, I think, is actually quite a spiritual concept if you use it in the right way. I mean, I think people are far too often patient with their upset and their worry and their fears and their misery, and they are impatient about um, other things. And that, that actually, you know, it should be the other way around. If you're going to get upset about, you know, I hear this a lot of time, oh, I'm so upset about the weather it's supposed to be sunny. It's not okay. So you can write off that day and you could be upset that it wasn't the way you thought it would be because you had a right. plan and you knew exactly how it was supposed to be, right? That's all in the realm of control of safety. Okay. Or you can say, well, I guess this is supposed to be how it is. And what are my other opportunities for today? So even okay. if let's say you planned an amazing two week vacation on, a, on the islands in the Caribbeans, right? And then there was a tornado or a hurricane and it gets canceled, your trip, because there's some problems, and now you need to move it back, right? And you've been planning this for a year, and you've been saving up money, and you're so upset because you had a plan, and you were supposed to be on the island on this specific day, right? So you can be upset about that. Sure, you can let those two weeks be upset, and every day wake up and think you should have been there instead of where you're at, okay? Or you can say, wow, I have these two weeks where I don't have anything planned because I'm supposed to be out of town. So now I can work on things I really want to. I can work on writing. I don't have meetings. I can work on planning whatever. I can, I can do whatever I want, and I'll still take the vacation. And I trust this is for my greatest good. Now, I ask you, which way do you want to live? I mean, for me, it's just very a practical kind of approach to life. And yes, it's difficult, but what isn't difficult, right? It's like going to the gym and do you use your muscles and then slowly you see change and then it becomes a little bit less difficult and then you get really excited by it and then your endorphins are going. Then you're like, wow, this workout's really working for me. And then you stop going, you're going to lose all of that, but then you go and you pick it up again. Don't beat yourself up. Some days you're going to be strong and certain and other days you're not. But as long as you wake up every day, not accepting that reality because that reality is an illusion. Mm, Yes, love this. We're going to go to a quick break, but when we return, um, let's talk about COVID. Let's talk about the political polarization, the, you know, where we're at right now and how we can use your philosophy and some of your tools to navigate it. Stay tuned for more with Monica Bird here on the other side of the break. I'm Peggy Snow with another Stellar Reflections Minute. Presence, or what we think of as being fully in the moment, is a key element in the process of healing work. As a practitioner facilitating a session, genuine presence takes us out of our heads where we tend to decide what is and maybe what should be for the client and moves us into direct experience where we're available to witness the person in their wholeness. In this receptive realm, our senses are heightened and expanded, allowing us to perceive what's seeking to unfold and to interact in the moment. There's something profoundly powerful that happens when healing is approached in this simple, pure way. Balance can be restored and healing can take place on multiple levels. If you'd like more information about the services we offer at Stellar Reflections, visit us at StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford-Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com to equip, 
empower, and enlighten yourself. Erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire. So get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up, love it up, and let it go. Visit GetRootedRadio.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On the Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Are you meeting your sales goals? Or maybe your business plan could use a dose of the divine. Tune in to Divinely Driven Results with faith-based business coach Elise Smith on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coach Elise Smith helps listeners get unstuck from their business plateau and become empowered through divine guidance. Build up belief in yourself and your dreams and learn business strategies that work for you for real lasting results. Learn more by visiting www.DivinelyDrivenResults.com. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on 1150 AM KKNW in the Seattle area and on Transformation Talk Radio around the world. I'm having a conversation today with Monica Berg. She's a speaker, a teacher, um, a blogger, and author of a couple different books. And, and we're talking about how fear is not an option. I love that phrase, Monica. I really do. Uh, where'd you get the phrase from? Actually, my father-in-law is a great Kabbalist, and um, I had one night many, many years ago. It was shortly after Josh was born, so I had still, you know, I was, and I had my daughter. I got pregnant with her three months after he was born, so wow. I was dealing with a lot of emotions and also a lot of things physically as well. And one mm -hmm. night um, when I was breastfeeding her, I started to have tingling all over my body. It started first in my right hand and it went up my arm then it was my left hand then my left arm then my legs and before you know my whole body and i started to get terrified especially after what had just happened i was kind of always like you know when's the other shoe going to drop type yeah. of thing until i worked on challenging my fears but um so i called him and uh and it, my husband and i were on the phone with his parents and uh i remember you know when you're in a place like you're really terrified and you can't hear anything at all and everybody's voice is like, you can't, like everything's in slow motion. So that's where I was at. And I just suddenly wake up and he's yelling at me on the other side of the phone. Monica, do you hear me? Fear is not an option. And he was an amazing, amazing spiritual leader, um, thinker. And just hearing him yell that at the other end of the phone really startled me enough, woke me up. And it became something that, um, that any time from that moment on, I had a fear or challenge, I would just hear his voice in my head. That's great. That's great. Because the truth is, if fear is not an option, you need to look for another one, right? Right. Right. And I think about fear, 
it's always intertwined with these stories that we tell and the stories I mean, occasionally, you know, I know you talk about different types of fear. Occasionally, the story is true. But more often than not, it's just some story that's in our head that's creating the fear. So what are the different types of fear? So I feel like it's once you identify fear, it's less scary, right? So that's why in my book, I identify three different types. So the first is there's healthy fear, there's real fear, and then there's illogical fear. So healthy fear is like it sounds. It's set up for your survival and protection. It's there to keep you safe. So Mm -hmm. if you walk too close to an edge of a cliff, your heart starts to beat, you jump back a bit. It's there Mm -hmm. to protect you, right? Don't go too close to an open flame. Um, Even, you know, don't walk into an elevator if you feel unsafe if somebody's already in there and you're like, oh, I don't know if I should be alone in a closed space with this person. Honor Mm -hmm. that feeling, right? It's there to protect you. Um, Intuition follows into this category, falls into this category as well. And often people ask me, well, how do you know if the fear is then real or not? So if it's based on past or future, then that's, that's not a real fear, right? If it's based in the present moment, right? Intuition, then that is real. So for instance, let's say you park your car in an underground parking garage all the time. And every day you're worried about going into that garage in the dark that somehow somebody will be there, right? So how do you know if that's real or not? It's not because it's happening every single day and you're probably basing it on something that you heard in the past or that happened or something you're afraid that will happen in the future. However, if you never have this fear and then one day you walk into the parking garage and you get that feeling, well, that's, you need to honor that, right? So that's, that's healthy fear. Then there's real fear and it's like, it sounds, it's rooted in reality. So it's fear of death, of illness, of growing old, of rejection, Mm -hmm. things that actually happen in life. But even with this kind of fear, you can transform it to really use it and make it something that can be powerful for you. So for instance, I hear a lot of people talk about losing their parents, right? It's a fear we all had. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, we all have that fear. But instead of ruminating about this day that, that will eventually come, you can actually use this for a motivator for change, right? How much of the time that you're with your parents are you spending talking about important things, telling them how much you love them, laughing together, enjoying yourselves versus thinking this negative thought over and over again, that's not going to change or alter any situation. So it's really about where are you putting your thoughts, your energies, your intentions, really Mm -hmm. powerful, right? And and I think that's why we have certain emotions. They're there to say, okay, wake up. How are you living your life? How are you spending your time? whether it's fear or sadness or anger, any kind of extreme a negative emotion is there for us to learn something about ourselves. It's, it's our soul kind of making us uncomfortable. So we pay attention to what's really important. Yeah. And then the last one is illogical fear. Now this fear is actually where we spend most of our time. And this is the fear, the fear that can be completely and should be completely eradicated. I sometimes hear about people speaking about fear and they're like, oh, you know, I learned to cope with my fear. I learned to live with my fear. I'm not interested in that. I want you to eradicate your fears. So a logical yeah, fear is fear of, yeah, completely yeah. different approach, right? Um, see, this is the thing that you should be impatient with, right? That patience, impatient thing. Don't, don't be patient for that. I'm going to have my fears with me. So a logical fear is like fear of elevators, fear of heights, um, fear of spiders. So, and this is where we spend most of our time. This is where we stop from living our best lives. We really paralyze ourselves because we're so afraid that something can happen, right? That something will go wrong. 
and that it's not meant to be. And then basically we, pay, we play it really safe because we're afraid to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations or put ourselves out there. And really, this is where we really waste our life in extreme ways. You know, so many people, mm -hmm. like somebody who is afraid, is afraid of flying and they'll never leave the state they live in or they won't <laughs> go to, out of the country. How right. many opportunities, how many different sunsets are they missing or just because I feel yeah. like when you leave the space you're always in you instantly get a shift in your perspective on life because you have a whole other view now yeah once upon a time I went through a stage where I was uh, afraid of flying and um oh really yeah and, and my therapist you know taught me she said well you know in in the current moment pay attention if everything's okay let go in that moment with the option of, of being afraid in the next moment and eventually, you know, I, I got over my fear and then I was traveling all over the world to teach. So um, right. I so wouldn't have your had life that have... huge expansion had I not worked through that fear. Right. And what if you didn't even go on the book tour altogether because of your fear? Or you didn't even want to write the books because you want to put yourself out there? Or people who are afraid of public speaking, same thing. Uh -huh. Maybe they have a beautiful message to share with the world that they're really passionate about, but yes. their fear is getting in their way. I mean, I, I used to hate public speaking. I know, me too hated it when i first started i mean that first time i i ran to the bathroom so much that week i lost like five pounds i was i was terrified and uh -huh. then i believed more in what i wanted to relay than i did the fear and i challenged it you know and now i love public speaking it's just so much fun yeah yeah and it, it's like you, you you do have to work through the fear so it, it and and one of the things that i've learned is um what i used to sometimes interpret to be fear was actually excitement. You know, it wasn't anxiety, it was ex excitement. And if I could tap into that aspect of it, the, the heart racings, because something important is about to happen. It's like, I'm gonna connect with th this group of people and we're gonna go on a journey together, you know? Um, well, that's what's interesting what you're saying because that's exactly right, right? You, you believe in something greater, but let's, I'm thinking about some of your listeners, what if they're not, because I use that a lot when I'm stressed, right? Instead of saying stressed, I say I'm excited. Why? Because the projects and things I'm working on are things that I'm really passionate about and I believe in. Right, yeah. But if you're working on things that you're not happy about, that you don't believe in, then that, that stress maybe just needs to be removed. So I do think fear, stress, all those things can be put into excitement because it's the same energy. One is positive, one is negative. Sure. However, there are certain fears and there are certain things that you just need to dump. They're not really yours, not really real. Don't give them energy. Instead, give energy to what you do want to create. Because a lot of it sometimes is just noise. Um, and as we get older, if we don't actually challenge our fears, we just collect them. And you have more and more and more. And then before you know it, you're just a fear-based person. Yeah. Speaking of fear and collecting more and more and more, I've, um, I've been sort of... Um, concerned about how rampant fear is in our world right now between covid and the polarization in politics to um you know concerns about control you know like governmental control of our personal liberties there's a whole lot of fear out there and i know you live in new york city right new york city was one of the places with the worst covid and the worst covid outcomes too how did you navigate that? And what advice do you have for people in, in the midst of this uncertainty? Well, yes, it feels it's a very uncertain time. And, I, and on top of, of that, I think that the world is very divided in 
their thoughts, their beliefs. Um, I've never seen that in, in my lifetime, mm-hmm. you know, in my adulthood anyway, of uh, such a situation. My approach is the same to everything else we've discussed. It's not going to be the first challenge we go through together as a world. It's, mm-hmm. it's not the first one. It's not going to be the last one, right? There will always be times in history where as a whole, we're affected. Mm-hmm. The only thing that you can do is to choose your perspective and take a higher level perspective. So mm-hmm. I still don't see any reason or any importance in meeting this where we're at with fear. It's just mm-hmm. going to make a chaotic situation that much more chaotic. Mm-hmm. Instead, and in fact, you know, I, I did get COVID. So did my husband, actually all my kids, we had it go through our house. Um, in March, right? So right when it, there was the outbreak here um, for the first time. And I approached the same way, you know, every day. And it lasted a long time for my husband and I. We had it for like 28 days. Um, and every day I would just say, you know, are you okay? Yes. Should you be alarmed? No. Are you doing everything you need to do? Yes. You know, it's just, I think that you need to take that approach with everything in life because the alternative is, of course, to be panicked, to put your life on hold so things are more certain, until they right. feel more comfortable, or you can really use this time to rethink how you spend your time, where you invest it, what you want to do with your life. You know, this is this has been a real moment for the world if you take the opportunity to really rethink how it is that you're living. Yeah, and also, and where think, do you, go ahead. Okay. Oh, sorry. Um, and I also think that it's it's forcing us to rethink aspects of the collective. Um, there are so many people who haven't been able to make it financially. Um, there are aspects of our, our infrastructure that are so fragile that we didn't face before. Exactly. So it's an opportunity to, to look at the dysfunction and, and have it illuminated and, and begin to co-create what it is that's gonna be healthier and, and more sustainable. A thousand percent. That's what I was going to say, actually. Oh, sorry. Because, no, no, I'm happy you said it. No, we had the same thought. You know, I think that we can go through life just accepting things because they've always been that way or you no know, one else is challenging it or it's not it's broken, but, you know, it's not the time to fix it. Well, actually, now is the time to really look at where there are holes in every aspect of our culture, our society, our private lives, our public lives, how we are as a community and, and really challenge that whatever's not working we all have the responsibility to find solutions to making it better. So when we're thrown these external circumstances, um, you were saying earlier that we should view it as an opportunity. I know that you um, coach people and you help people through difficult circumstances. Do you have some examples where people have taken some sort of external circumstance that they didn't you know, consciously wish for and turn that into a much more positive experience and, and ultimately shift um, their perspective or their life. I mean, I, th- I see people do it every day, actually, in small ways and in big ways. It could be um, like in my case with having a child with a disability and really challenging what that looks like um, and how that feels. So I felt a lot of shame in those early days and that's when I still carried all of those feelings around. And, uh, and instead, to, to really transform that, I see people do it with their relationships, like even couples who have broken up and, and they got divorced. I mean, I know a couple now that I'm working with and, and they're divorced now and they are so sure they made the right decision. And she 
And she needed to do that so she can actually become more of who she should be. And then he realized what his mistakes were. It took this extreme break, right? To go to this, like, we're going to get divorced, extreme separation to actually come back together as two different, more whole-minded, healthy people. So I think the, the thing is this, whether it's big or small, it's a loss of a job, a loss of a home. I mean, there's big things happening right now for there us, are. for sure. Yeah. Um, I just think the thing that will help us get to the other side faster is to say, okay, to be honest, you know, was, was this really working before this extreme situation now? And is there a way I always wanted to live? You know, I see a lot of people moving to different parts of the world. Like if now is the time, if I was ever going to start fresh or start now something new, a new business, a new place to live, now's the time. So I just think that that kind of approach and having that outlook will first of all serve you, but it'll also make you a lot happier. And when you're happy, you're clearer, you're able to see opportunities. And instead of saying this victim suffering mindset, which is easy to go to if that's where you've been trained to see things. Yeah, yeah. I remember years ago moving across the country because it felt like the right thing to do and things just sort of opened up and fell into place in a variety of ways. And it was probably one of the most empowering experiences of my life because it was validation that taking, you know, risky chances can really pay off. Um, and I'm not just talking financially or something like that it, it, in an unquantifiable way. It, it can be very, very fulfilling to take the risk and, and realize that life has our back. Exactly. And I did that too when we moved to New York. Our fourth child was uh, three months old and we had been talking about moving to New York for years. And we couldn't get it together, whether there was the kid's school or it just wasn't the right time and we weren't sure. And we always, our philosophy is when you don't know what to do, don't do anything uh-huh. because you need to get to that place where you're all in, right? And so sure, sure. when she was three months, although physically nothing would make sense, like I wanted to nest, I, I wanted to be around my family in California, like I did not want to move, but everything else in the universe was like, now is the time. And we moved. And I have to say those first three years were very difficult on so many levels. I've never been in a climate of seasons. Um, I, I've never had to deal with snow. I mean, there are just so many things I didn't know I needed to know, you know, you don't know it till you're in it. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, I would wake up every now and again, and I would say to my husband, like, it's so hard. Um, but then we'd have a conversation. I'd ask myself this question, do I still believe in why we moved? Because we moved because we felt like we'd have a greater reach with people here, we'd be, you know, we deal with all parts of the world to be in the middle, you know, you have Europe and then you've, it's a better time zone. And the answer always was, I still believe in why we moved. And if it doesn't work, I can always go back, right? So from that perspective, again, I was clear about what my intention was, but I also was like, you know what, if it doesn't work out, that's okay. You can always go back to what you've always known. That was very empowering, but also very freeing, right? So. I just think people need to have these important conversations with themselves and not to be afraid of having them at least. doesn't mean you even have to act on it right away. Just allow yourself to give yourself honest feedback. So you said the first three years were rough. Are you happy you made the change? Oh my God. I wouldn't go, like you just said with your, with traveling and getting over the fear of flying. I think about all of the people that I've met. I think, I think about all the things I created in the last seven years I think about who I've become, I wouldn't change. I mean, honestly, it's the best thing we ever did. I would have been stunted. I would have been probably the same person, more or less, very comfortable. 
I made myself very uncomfortable. And in fact, for my kids too, they're different children. You know, they got out of their bubble that they were being raised in and this like close knit community. Everything was in a five mile radius to New York city subways. Uptown is like a different world from downtown. The East side is a different world from the West side. You don't understand that you actually move here, but right. um, that's an invaluable experience. And again, when you lean into it and you know, the universe has your back, as you said, then it's like, it's like, living in black and white and then suddenly seeing in color. Yeah. I, the last time I was in New York, um, my, my brother and sister-in-law lived there for a while. I went there on business and stayed with them and, and, and had some fun there as well as business. And I was just so amazed. Go into a restaurant and I'd ultimately hear like four different languages. I mean, it's just this, all these different cultures coming together in, into this true melting pot. Um, it's a very different place, and 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 yes, you know, navigating on the subways and the buses, and and um, seeing yeah. all different types of people and cultures. It's it's a fascinating place. Very. And different. you know, I don't know where we'll end up in ten years from now. I mean, I think that that's that's just really how we go through life. You know, we want to be wherever we should be because uh -huh. I know that's going to be the best place. But to get to that consciousness does take work, but it's it's so worthwhile. You know, I mean. I think people, for the most part, and maybe it's just that this is the group that I'm around mostly speaking to people like you that are like-minded, but uh -huh. I, think, I think most in the world have come to the place of understanding that the things we think will make us happy don't really make us happy. I think, mm -hmm. you know, forever it was, you know, go to the best school so then you can get the best jobs, so then you can make the most mm -hmm. money so you can get the best car, the best house, and you, you amass all of these things and then, yeah. you know, you're not happy, so why not? And I think that I think that people understand that now. Um, but the only thing that really, really gives you long-lasting happiness and fulfillment is to a come to a place where you know yourself and you respect that voice mm -hmm. and you honor it, mm -hmm. and b where you just lean into life, meaning you're flexible mm -hmm. and you're constantly saying, okay, what is the opportunity for me here? Yeah, yeah. We've got a few more minutes, but, but I don't want to run out of time. I, um, I want to make sure our viewers and our listeners know how to connect with you. What's your website? Thank you. It's rethinklife.today. And my Instagram is monicaberg74. Um, Spiritually Hungry, our podcast is available wherever you listen to your podcasts on iTunes, Apple, etc. cetera. And, uh, and my books are on Amazon. Great, great. Okay, so let's talk about the polarization in our culture, the American culture right now. I mean, I think there's polarization all over the world. Um, all you have to do is get on Twitter and see some of it, but this is right before the election. We've got probably some of the worst polarization I've seen in my lifetime. How do we navigate this sort of, of change and the fear that gets incited by this kind of polarization? I think that if we, you know, I was just asked to write an article about um, politics and relationships, actually, which was funny, too, because I never thought that I would, usually relationships are very much geared towards, you know, how do we get on? How do we meet our mate? But now, yeah. given where we're at, you know, that makes sense. I think that we are all being asked as individuals to 
put our best self forward, right? Because mm. we see the fake news. We see, you know, if you listen to one kind of channel or another, you're going to get two different stories. So what are we yeah. really trusting out there? And again, that just adds to the fear and the uncertainty that we find ourselves in. But it if does. each person can, can step up and say, even though I fundamentally disagree with that person's viewpoint, and the problem is this, because I don't think it's been like this in the past, we are looking at what people are supporting or who they're supporting and therefore we're hating them for it right like if that's your belief system then i didn't know you even their family members like how can you support so and so right i'm asking everybody to just take a step back and remember that we are all craving the same things in life we're all looking for belonging for love to be heard to be acknowledged and let's just operate from that space we don't have to agree on things and we all know that but for some reason now with politics, it's become so incredibly personal and there's so much hatred that's coming from that. And then where are we going to be as a nation if we continue in that vein? So I just think that it's so big. And again, the, the, where we went to before for guidance and for, for leadership and direction is now not. So I think it's up to all of us to really be that right. To direct where we want to put our thoughts and our love and to, be leaders in our own right. And a leader yeah. is one that's going to show people to step up and, uh, and be there for others. And you can't do that from a place of hate. Yeah. And that's, that's so important. And, and it's funny because um, I've been thinking a lot about tribalism lately and finding our tribe, our true tribe, you know, our soul tribe can be very empowering. Um, but what's happening right now is we're seeing the tribalism in some of its worst kinds of behavior. And so I think one of the things that that I have been doing is rethinking my tribe as well. Yeah. Gosh, Monica, um, this is so interesting. I want to mention your book again. Fear is not an option. I hope that this is coming out straight. I don't know. Um, And uh, I really, I really love the way you, you talk about eradicating certain types of fear because I, I haven't read that you know, people talk about how you manage your fear and you were talking about eradicating fear. And at first I'm thinking, mm. Mm. but then after reading it and, and understanding what you're talking about, it makes perfect sense. Um, so, you know, I, I want to thank you for being here today and for showing up and, 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 and being the change junkie so you can inspire others such as myself and our listeners today to embrace change and, and to co-create change. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much. I had a great time. And if you want to share this, you can share this on Facebook on Christine Upchurch professional page. Um, It will also be up on my website, christineupchurch.com, and it'll be in various uh, podcasts as well. Thank you for joining us here today. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.